It's good to see everyone this morning. Merry Christmas. It's very close. Christmas is very close. Merry Christmas. We are going to um, uh, give a, a bat cow announcement. Really, probably going to save the majority of that for the second service, but I will at least tell you where we ended up. We're going to give away our TV to our volunteer that served the most hours, and we're going to do our drawing for the um, gift card that folks put entries by paying too much for their tree. But I will real quickly tell you that we raised $53,448.79. Yes, selling Christmas trees. What a good time. And uh, so last year, Give a Kid a Chance, which happens in August, we were able to minister to 100 kids and their families. And uh, our goal this year was to minister to 250 kids and their families. And we needed to raise $50,000 to do that. And uh, so we did. Now, there are some expenses in that from the trees and shipping, all that good stuff. So we will still need to do some offsetting throughout the year this year with sponsors and things like that. Last year was our first year, and so we paid for a lot of stuff that hopefully throughout this year we can get some folks to partner with us, some organizations and different things and help offset that cost. But we are on our way to ministering to those 250 kids this year. Thank you, everyone who served in by a tree, change a life. It was an awesome time. We sold, I didn't tell you this, we sold 350 trees. 350 Christmas trees. And uh, so great. We, we had 294. We ordered 294. They sent us three extra. We don't know how, but we sold them. And uh, then we, got, we went and got 53 more because we sold out so fast. And then we sold all of those 53. Many of those were donated. Some folks paid for those. Some of you paid for those. And then we were able to give people a tree. I'll just tell you one story. Um, I was at the coffee shop. We took like the last five or six trees to the shop and just sat them out. We only needed to sell, I think, one of them, and then we were just going to just be led. I mean, we were waiting on you guys if you had people to donate, and then we were just going to see, and uh, it was after they had just gotten them there, and I went by one day to check on the kids, and I was walking outside and having a conversation with Elias, and he's like, so what do we do? And I was like, you just need to find a good home for all these trees. And there was a lady passing me, and... Uh, she, she had a disability. She was on crutches. And uh, she said, those are beautiful trees. And I said, do you need a tree at your house? She said, I actually do. I haven't gotten a tree yet. 
And uh, so we were like, well, here's your tree. Just pick one of these trees out. And so I don't know all the stories. I just got to be there for that one. I saw many tears throughout the time we were at the site. I saw folks receiving trees, giving trees. And uh, I know many of you people came by and you actually just bought one there and gave them. Some of you felt led to offset the cost of some folks' trees. I saw that happen several times. And so you actually paid and paid more than the tree so that they could pay less than the tree. It was awesome. Just amazing. Beautiful expression of the kingdom and beautiful expression of your hearts here at Redemption Life Church. And um, I've got a few moments to share with you this morning, and we are um, transitioning. The last four weeks, we've talked about Thanksgiving. Um, it's a time that we set aside. See, I didn't use any, either one of my words, consecrate or concentrate. We set aside, uh, concentrate, uh, consecrate, that's what I always end up saying, we set aside um, these four weeks this month, and so I just can't get away from where we tapped into last week, and so you can transition away from giving of money if you'd like to in your mind, but we're still going to talk about how holy God is today, okay? Just can't get away from it, and that's why when I saw these guys, he still speaks, he didn't speak 2,000 years ago and then get quiet. He wasn't holy on that one night. He's still holy now. And he says, because he is holy, we shall be holy. We shall be complete and lacking nothing. So I want to talk, oh, holy, I hope this will just change in your mind maybe. And every time you hear or think of, oh, holy night, you'll think of, oh, holy now. Oh, holy now. Let's don't just think about an oh, holy night. Let's think about the reason for the oh, holy night is so that we could have a oh, holy now. And so it is just as holy today as it was 2,000 years ago. He's just as holy today as he was 2,000 years ago. And uh, we are partakers of his holiness. We are being transformed into the same image. And so last week we talked a lot um, about his holiness, about what it looks like to be holy. How do we know that he's holy? Remember, we overflowed. You know something is complete and lacking nothing when it can't contain any more. And you can tell that because stuff comes out of it. And so we know that he's holy because he gives. And so we know that we're like him because we give, right? And so we looked at that. We looked at the heart of God and his holiness and his assignment and opportunity, his command, his call, and his confirmation of us being holy. And we looked at the reality of two kingdoms, one is a kingdom that is led by a thief, a murderer, and a destroyer. And he does all those things because he isn't holy. So he has to steal. And he's angry, so he kills. 
and he doesn't like what other people have that he doesn't have, so he destroys. It all comes, every motive, every intention, everything out of the heart of our adversary is out of lack and insufficiency and everything out of the heart of our Father, but I come that you have life and have it abundantly. And so we choose life. We choose abundance. We choose to align ourselves with a kingdom that has no lack, who is led by one who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask, think, or even imagine. I don't need to steal. I'm not a borrower. I'm a lender. I don't have to take because I have enough. And so I want to just pick up there today and appropriately, let's look at Isaiah chapter nine. And if you're turning your Bibles, I'll take just a moment to do something I was going to do, but I, I don't like to take too much time with, about my family and what they do because my family does a lot and I don't want to sit up here and celebrate my family all the time, but I don't care today. Evie Cox played keys today for the first time on our Sunday morning service. And I don't even care what that makes me. If that makes me a nepotist, uh, then I'm a nepotist. But I'm proud of my baby girl playing keys today. I'm thankful that she brings everything she has to the Lord and she gives because she is holy as he is holy. Isaiah chapter nine, verse two, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. You will multiply the nation. You will increase their joy. They will rejoice in your presence as with the joy of harvest. As people rejoice when they divide the spoils, for you will break the yoke of their burden and the staff on their shoulders. The rod of their oppressor as at the battle of Midian. For every boot of the marching warrior in the roar of battle and cloak rolled in blood will be for burning, fuel for the fire. Verse 6, for a child will be born to us. A son will be given to us. And the government will rest on his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace, there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. And I love this, the zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. The zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. He will accomplish 
the increase of his government knowing no end. He will accomplish the increase of his peace knowing no end. This is not a kingdom that is receding and diminishing and becoming smaller. This is a kingdom that is advancing and increasing and enlarging. Will we be aware that it is a holy now? It is a complete and lacking nothing now. Philippians 4, verse 4 says, Be cheerful with joyous celebration in every season of life. Which season is the holy season? Every season of life, let your joy overflow. What? We're getting holy now. Let your joy overflow and let gentleness be seen in some of your relationships. <laughs> in every relationship, for our Lord is ever near. Ever near. Don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Don't you worry about a thing. Anyway, kid movies, kid movies. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faith-filled requests before God with overflowing gratitude. Tell him every detail of your life, then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will guard your heart and mind through Jesus Christ. Overflowing gratitude. Make your request known. Talk to him about your day. Give him your request with overflowing gratitude. Frame every request with gratitude. This is how you pray. Our Father in heaven, holy are you. Complete and lacking nothing are you. I've got some things going on in my life. Before we talk about some things that I've got going on in my life, I just want to spend some time talking about how holy you are, how complete and lacking nothing you are, how holy you've been, how holy you are, how holy I know that you will forever be. That's bringing your request with overflowing gratitude. The request is like coming out of the stream of gratitude that's overflowing of his holiness. That's praying holy. That's requesting holy. And then that's when the peace of God that transcends human understanding will guard our heart and mind through Christ Jesus. It's out of gratitude. If we skip the gratitude and just always go into the request, we're not promised the peace. We focus on the problem, we get discouraged. We focus on the answer, we get encouraged. It's pretty simple. Verse eight, keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic and real. Not the liar, not the thief, not the murderer, not the destroyer. What is authentic and real? What's really going on? Not what I see, not what they say, not what I understand. What is bigger than I can understand? 
honorable and admirable, beautiful and respectful, pure and holy, merciful and kind and fasten your thoughts. Buckle up your thoughts to every glorious work of God, praising him always. Oh, holy now. Every moment is a holy moment. Every moment is a holy moment. I just want to continue to frame the mindset of a holy now. Psalm 126 I want to read this from the message. Very rarely do that, but some things you just can't pass up. Verse one, it seemed like a dream, too good to be true. When God returned Zion's exiles, we laughed, we sang, we couldn't believe our good fortune. We were the talk of the nations. God was wonderful to them. God was wonderful to us. We are one happy people. It seemed like a dream too good to be true. Oh, holy now. Romans 5. Let's just roll with it in the message. Romans 5 verse 1. By entering through faith into what God has always wanted to do for us, set us right with him. Make us fit for him. Make us holy, right? We have it all together with God because of our master, Jesus. That's why we're holy. And that's not all. We throw open our doors to God and discover at the same moment that he's already thrown open his door to us. We find ourselves standing where we always hoped we might stand, out in the wide open spaces of God's grace and glory, standing tall and shouting our place. What is the reality of our now? Is it like a dream that seems too good to yeah. be true? Yeah. I know, man, this earth, this world is full of trials and tribulation, but God is holy and we shall be holy as he is holy. 2 Corinthians, we've read it so much over the last few weeks. 9, verse 8, God is more than ready to overwhelm you with every form of grace so that you will have more than enough of everything, every moment and in every way. That's holy. He will make you overflow with abundance in every good thing you do. Psalm 23, you guys know this. The Lord is my shepherd. I will not be in need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for the sake of his name. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head 
with oil, my cup overflows. Certainly goodness and faithfulness will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell and my dwelling will be in the house of the Lord forever. Let's read that from the Passion. Yahweh is my best friend and my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace near the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me the right path and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me for you already have. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I'll never be lonely for you are near. You become my delicious feast even when my enemies dare to fight. You anoint me with the fragrance of your Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of you until my cup overflows. So why would I fear the future? Only goodness and tender love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence to be forever with you. This reality that we live in, this kingdom that is available, this kingdom reality, reality that's available to us is holy. It's holy. We had staff and Christmas party this past Friday, and we went and saw um, Oh Holy Night, the chosen Oh Holy Night. And uh, they looked at the birth of Jesus story through the lens of Mary and Joseph, coupled with through the lens of shepherds. And it just highlighted to me, just resounding again, the darkness, the depravity, the lack, the brokenness that God inserted holiness into. What a holy night so that we could have a holy now. It changes everything. The baby changes everything. The holy baby changes everything. Holy. It just takes a little bit of holy. Think about it. Does it matter if holy is a baby or does it matter if holy 
is a king. Holy is holy. In every form, in every season, in every expression, holy from a seed to a harvest has the absolute components and properties of holy. And that holy is in us in the fullest capacity, the fullest expression possible. Ephesians chapter four. I want us to get to where we're getting to today. And that's what we're ending with, by the way, not starting with anyways. But I went to Ephesians chapter four this week for verse 29. Many of you probably know Ephesians 4, 29. If you don't, some of you may need to learn Ephesians 4, 29. It's a very important passage for believers. But as I never go to a passage and read a passage and say, that's a great passage, I think I'll pluck that passage and teach about it. If I feel drawn to a passage, I'm going to read probably almost the book that that passage is in because there's so much context and so much depth to it. And so it's the same with Ephesians chapter 4. I've read, studied, taught Ephesians 4, 29 many times in many ways. But I want us to back up to verse 17, Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 17, so I say this and affirm in the Lord that you are to no longer walk just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their minds. Now, as I'm reading this, I want you to read this with the backdrop of our conversation last week. And if you weren't here last week, it's read it through the backdrop, listen through the backdrop of these two opposing realities, these two opposing kingdoms, one of lack and one of holy, one of not enough and one of more than enough, one of stealing, killing, and destroying, and one of living abundantly and giving. No longer walk just as the Gentiles walk in the futility of their minds, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become callous, have given themselves up to indecent behavior for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. Why do we engage in impurity? Greediness, you see in the common trend there? No one engages in impurity for impurity's sake. They engage in impurity because there's an allure of something that can feel something that is missing in them. So there's, there's this belief that they're not enough. That's the belief that they're not holy. It's a belief that they're not like the one who created them. And so they have through ignorance and callousness have given themselves to indecent behavior for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. 
But you did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former way of life, you are to rid yourselves of the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit. Liar, thief, right? The lust of deceit. And that you are to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self. When we talked about the garment last week, take off the beggar's garment, put on the son's robe, which is in the likeness of God, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Holiness of the truth. Therefore, ridding yourselves of falsehood, speak truth. So there's a language in this kingdom of lack and it's deceit and falsehood. And there's a language in this kingdom of abundance that is truth and holiness. Where was I? Speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor because we are parts of one another. Remember that. Speak truth to your neighbor. Speak truth to your neighbor. For we are a parts of one another. 26, be angry, yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity. So you can be angry, but don't sin. Don't sin. Don't not tell the truth. Don't not tell holy. Don't come under in your anger and adapt to the language of deficiency. That's sin. This kingdom and everything in it produces sin, which produces death. Lying is the language. Sin is the MO, the behavior, and death is the destination. Truth is the language, abundant life is the MO, and eternal wholeness is the result. Do not sin when you're angry, and do not give the devil an opportunity. The one who steals must no longer steal. You see this? We're taking off this life must no longer steal, but rather must labor, producing with his own hands what is good so that he will have something to share with the one who has a need. So not only do I don't steal anymore, I come over here and I identify in this kingdom and I labor with my hands and I partake of abundance and I trust God with the increase and I give and I release and I do all of this so that I'll have some stuff that I can infect back over into here people who are still in this kingdom of lack and I can offset it with my holiness. Oh, holy now. And then, verse 29, let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth. But if there is any good word for edification according to the need of the moment, 
say that. That it will give grace to those who hear. You know, I've, we've said, don't let any unwholesome word. I just get black and white, leave it to beaver. Golly gee, beaver. I, golly gee, you know. Don't let any unwholesome word. And we have, we have become word police. It's kind of ridiculous. You know, I, I, um, I can't tell you that, but. <laughs> if it was self-defiling, I would, but it's other defiling, so I can't. But you can completely and wholly operate in this kingdom and you can use the full language of this kingdom without ever uttering a four-letter unwholesome leave it to beaver word Let no unholy word. Can we just change it just a little bit? Let no unholy word. So words that are not words of overflow and abundance that provide grace. Remember where sin abounds, much more grace abounds. We want to invoke grace into every situation that pushes, pushes back the forces of sin and darkness and invades situations. It increases and enlarges, but we can't do that if our words are unholy. If our words identify with lack, when are we tempted to do that? In the previous verses, I believe it sets up Ephesians 4.29. When we're angry. Why has it just been telling us what to do with our anger and then it says, let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth. See, it, see how nice and neat and tidy that can be if you just disconnect scriptures and you just say, okay, I'm not gonna say any bad words, beaver. And you miss the fact that you're not supposed to degrade and murder people with your tongue. And it has nothing to do with if you kept a list of these, just a small list of words that you avoid and you think that you're doing something because you did that. Because I translated that passage in the most narrow way possible, the least restrictive way possible. So it doesn't change every word I say. It just makes sure I don't say a very few select words and then all the rest of my words are fine. That's how we like to translate the Bible. How does this word have the least amount of impact on my life? Let's take it that way. Instead of how can this word get the most into me? 
through me, out of me, possible. So let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth when you're angry. Let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth when you're scared. Let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth when it doesn't look like it, when you're anxious. These are the moments when there's the temptation. There's no temptation for Jesus to turn the rock to bread unless he fasted 40 days and he's hungry. The opportunity to exercise the word of God and the power of God and invoke the grace of God comes in a moment when we desperately need him to be complete and lacking nothing. Because if he's not, we are destitute in our deficiency. Listen to this, how it keeps going. But, okay, let's look at that just a little bit more. Let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth. But if there's any good word that can edify in the need of the moment, say that. Do that. Be that. Give that. Offset that. Grace that. We did a, we did a series early on called Dropping Grace Bombs. Cause I, what was, I don't remember what they were saying at the time. They were talking about dropping something bombs, so I kind of just took it, said we're <laughs> dropping grace bombs. But we literally can just drop bombs on situations that will just totally destroy lack. We have the power. We have the power. I got a song in my heart. But it gives grace to those who hear. So look, let's just, let's just take this a little bit bigger. If we could take a passage and it could expound and it could bring more transformation in our life, that's what we want to do with the passage. So let's just, maybe it's not just don't let unho- no, any unwholesome word be in your mouth. Maybe it's don't let any unwholesome action be in your hands. Don't let any unwholesome action be in your wallet. Don't let any... Don't let any expression of who you are identify with a kingdom of unholy. But in every expression that we are, if there's something that I can do, be, act, give that will bring edification to the moment, to the situation, to the season, if it will impart grace into it, do that. Say that. Be that. Verse 30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. All bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and slander must be removed from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, compassionate, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Matthew 18 talks about the power of agreement. Just real quick here. Y'all just want to do something real quick before we go? Even if it kind of might hurt. Matthew 18 says, if two people come together in my name, agreeing on anything, he goes to work. Let me stand over here while I say that. Over here. Two people come together 
agreeing on anything. He goes to work. But what about over here? When I'm angry, and I don't want to be angry by myself, I want to be angry with someone. So can you come be angry with me? Let me tell you something that might make you be just as angry as me. Let's talk, let's come into agreement about this whole realm of offense and lack and unmet expectations because we're so deficient and we so live in a kingdom of lack and we couldn't possibly be fulfilled if Susie hadn't done this. Susie, I bet you get that all the time. It just is a name that people use as an illustration a lot. And Johnny, Susie and Johnny. I mean, people use those all the time. But let's come into agreement about how deficient we are in this current reality of life. And he goes to work. Let's come into agreement and he goes to work. Bad enough when we're not in agreement and saying the same thing. But it's worse when we're having a meeting and we're all saying the wrong thing, saying a different thing, confessing a different thing, echoing a different thing than heaven. And we end up just really empowering the demonic. We really empower the murderer, we really empower the destroyer and we empower the thief to take, to kill, and to destroy. When we could be, man, that really hurt. That really is not what I expected. I really been let down. But I know (laughs) that there's no one, there's no body, there's no power, there's no height, there's no depth, there's no anything that's capable in this entire world or existence that I'm in that can diminish me, that can take from me. I am holy as you are holy. And I give thanks with overflowing gratitude in this moment of perceived deficiency because I see rightly and I see clearly and you are enough. Feel me. Complete me. Heal me. And you just release them. And then it brings grace and it brings edification. God bless them. God keep them. God, whatever caused them to do what they did, would you just take away 
whatever deficiencies in them that would cause them to act that way towards me or respond that way towards me. There's no way that's who they are. That's not them. That's the enemy. That's the adversary. And so he's exploiting their weakness to exploit your weakness. And then you go find the person that likes to listen to gossip and you exploit their weakness. And we all just get in a big old cahoots and we got this big festering sore all started by a lie. And it can do the same over here. You see this? We can just, it can just start, right? I can be whole and I can tell you how whole you are and I can declare life over you and I can prophesy to your deficiency and we can all get around together and we can all be talking about how holy God is, how holy now is. And the next thing you know, we've got this just amazing overflow of life and wholeness coming out of our expression. Because we choose not to let any unholiness come out of us in any expression. They say a picture is worth a thousand words. I've told you this before. So everywhere it says about what you need to say, I always think about every other way I can express myself. If he doesn't want me to speak unholy, he probably doesn't want me to dance unholy. He probably doesn't want me to do anything unholy, right? And my goodness, I just used an example. We're not a... Dancing police church. We just had a little dance. And they get more undignified than that in some dances. As the world sees undignified, we see it as holy. We got to go. We got to close. Man, I just... We have to, we have to, we have to. In this song today, I hear it in a newborn baby. And I saw it this week. And I hear it in the last breath of a dying loved one. He's holy. We can't afford in any context, in any seemingly depraved situation to lose our confession that he's holy. John has a song. Oh, man, we probably should sing that this morning as we leave. During a time of great loss for us, we were trying to do the right things and confess the right things. And we had our confession. So you can have holy confessions too, that are made up of your ideal and what you think, and you can be holding to those. And we, that, we didn't see that reality come about. This week, I didn't see the reality that I was passionately confessing consistently over my aunt. But those individual situations do not hold the power to define our confession. We confess in part. You know, it says we prophesy in part. I believe we confess in part. We confess the holiness of God and we try our best to contextualize that to every situation and align our declaration to every situation to the holiness of God, right? I believe he wants life, so I decree life in every situation. You will live and not die, and I'll do that until that declaration is no longer the appropriate declaration because they've already transitioned to be with him. And then I have to just change my declaration and default back to the one that supersedes all situations. You are holy. 
I just can't afford to let any of them change my declaration, my confession. John's going to close us out with, I guess, singing this song since she came on up here. I was just kind of maybe, and then when she responds, I know that we're in agreement. <laughs> if she just sits there and looks at me, I know we're not. One more laugh. We got time for one more laugh. Just a laugh. Early in the church planting journey. <laughs> there were Jahan and me and I don't know. Were you guys even there yet? Yeah. Why weren't you playing the keys then? Oh, you're on guitar. I mean, there's five people there. We just spent four hours transforming a vacuum cleaner sales building into a sanctuary so that I could meet with my family and have service. And there might have been a guest there that day or somebody I didn't know because there was a lot of pressure, you know. It's going to be amazing service. And John and I were just so tired. We were just doing all the form of doing this, but without just the grace, really, because of our agreement with lack. But John's leading worship, and it's difficult. It's very, very very hard and so when I get up here and say how much I love this place you have to understand Mike I really mean that that's not like church pastors speak they say that at this place and then go to another place and say it there and then go to another place and say it there this is the only place I've been and I love it the only place I'll ever be but Jahan like it's so hard and she sings like two songs she gives me the we used to do this because she was on the keys and we didn't have all the other stuff She'd just give me the nod, you know. And I'm like, no, let's go. She's like, like a pitcher and a catcher, you know what I mean? Like she's giving me signs and I'm like, back and forth three or four times man I'm like I'm not going up there you're doing this man if you don't if you don't make if you don't change this atmosphere I'm going home I'm not going up there right now and I kept saying no she kept saying and then she finally just said walked off and sat down I'm like okay I gotta go up here so stand with us as we go this morning. Prayer team, y'all come on up if you need prayer for anything today. I was just hearing this. Oh, we don't always do this, but prophetically, um, when he talked about anger today, some of you are angry at the Lord. <laughs> you would never say that out loud, like, I am angry at God, because there's a measure of the fear of the Lord. But you're offended with what you've walked through because it didn't turn out the way you thought. And so um, that disappointment and that offense and not understanding the way it all panned out, if you will, the Lord wants to address that today because you think you're hiding it, but you're not. It is spilling out into, into every relationship and every conversation. if you want to go, you can go. If you want to hang, you can hang. I just didn't want you to feel like you had to stay for the whole song or something.
This will be my confession. 
Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Redemption Life Church.